here is not on. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, today, as we start um, the the message, I, part of what I was praying just now was we're called to be a body, right? You know, so I'm sure many of us have been to churches and been a part of churches, seen churches. Have you ever wondered what is the purpose of the church? And what's the purpose of going to church? Why does, you know, here we have church, we have online, and then we have in person. But what is the purpose of going to church? Why? Why do we gather together? And I know we know the Christian answer, but I'd like to hear, like, what is the real answer? What is, why do we go to church every week? Or Bible studies? Anyone who has the courage to speak what is truly on your mind? <laughs> I think about us, we are the body. Uh huh. Everyone, it's part, like it is a part of the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have a function as a body, as our, as our, like our physical body, right? Yeah. yeah. Anybody else? Two things obedience. Amen. Hebrews 10, 25. Okay. You want me to read that? Yeah, can you read that, Pastor? Hebrews 10, 25, and let us not forsake our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, the fact is that the Lord told us not to forsake it. And even if we don't know why, because he said don't do it, and I know that's a Christian answer, don't do it because he knows everything. There's a reason for it. But I would, I asked him, just one time about that. And I know that as we gather together, we edify, we grow, we're strengthened. And I said, Lord, what is a, can you show me what that really looks like to help someone who just doesn't understand? And he showed me this beautiful campfire with, you know, it's dark all around. Except in the people sitting in front of the campfire. And the campfire is gorgeous and it's keeping everybody warm. But then one log rolled off that group of logs that were burning. What happened to that log, Pastor, that just rolled off by itself? Eventually, it'll die out. Eventually, it would die out. Because it no longer had 
you know, the the warmth and the fire and the it was no longer fuel. Now it was all by itself. And I think about that, especially when someone tells me that their God is going hiking in Olympia or Bryce Canyon or something that that's where God is. If they don't need to be with anybody. And I think about that log rolling off. Because the other thing is when you isolate yourself, it's much easier for the wolf to get to you. Amen. So that's all I had to say. Yeah. Okay. So now that we know, thank you for that very clear explanation. Why we gather together, Mariana too. Uh, we gather together for strengthening. We gather together to grow. And we gather together to serve a function. Catherine's example of the campfire. When, you're, when you light a campfire, it serves a purpose. The first purpose is light. The second purpose is to keep you warm, right? But a lot of times when we gather together, if we don't intentionally understand that purpose, then we're just gathering together, right? right? And every week when we do Bible studies, when we have church, you know, um, it's the one thing that is our prayer that each one of us understands. We're not here for the sake of being here. You didn't call in today. You didn't come here today for the sake of being here. If you did, and that was your intention so that you can check it off, then don't. Don't do that. Yeah. May I also add Hebrews 10, 23 to mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and 24, just as Pastor Catherine added 25. And, and as Pastor Jeannie was summarizing all of that also, the need to gather, yeah? In 23 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And our gathering definitely is not about the coffee. But it's not about the food. It's not just about the fellowship or the hiking. But in those things is to stimulate the idea of what it means to be a Christian in the works of God, that he is uh, worthy of all praise, amen? Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to add the scripture part to what Pastor Jean is talking about, that we actually have a very specific focus, that we have, we know who we are, we belong to Jesus Christ, and it's to keep uh, uh, our hope without wavering. And, and this purpose is not just for Logos, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. This is so whether you're here, whether you're somewhere else, whether you're talking to another believer, this is why we gather. We don't. We're not here to exist. Right. We're not just here to continue to breathe each other's air. We're here for a purpose. Right. And I say all this before we start today, because today the title of the sermon is choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Choosing the, the ability to choose is a very powerful um, privilege. You know, we all have the ability to choose. You know, we, we don't, one thing that some people always say, I don't get to choose which family I'm born into, right? You don't get to choose that. But you do get to choose how you function in that family. I don't get to choose what race I'm born into. 
but I do get to choose how I function and how I choose to live in that race. Mm. I don't get to choose the type of body or the type of hair color I have, but I do get to choose how to function. The ability and the understanding of choice is very powerful. A lot of times we become victims of our situations because we feel like we don't have a choice. Mm. We have a choice. We always have a choice. There is never a time in our life that we don't have a choice. Once we become thinking, able people, we have a choice. I raised my son from birth to almost 18 now. When Jaden was younger, he always had a choice, but I, I guided him through his choices. I make strong suggestions, right? And a lot of times part of discipline is disciplining them to make the right choices. But when Jaden turned 15, or like 14, 15, I realized I can't force my son or teach him what he should do anymore because he's becoming a man and he has to make choices for himself. I was just sharing with Mayana this morning, you know, um, about punishment. I think I haven't like scolded Jaden in a long time. I think I get more scolding from him than I scold him. And, and, and it's because she says, well, what happens now? And it's like, well, he faces his consequences, right? We have to learn every choice that we make has consequences whether i choose right or i choose wrong there's consequences to my choices but you always have a choice mm. do you choose to follow god if the answer is yes there's benefits if the answer is no there's consequences it's as simple as that the biggest enemy of choice is excuse, mm. but I can't, but I can't. No, it's not, but I can't. If you change your words, but I can't, it's actually, I choose not to. Mm. And that's fine. That's totally fine. When someone talks to me about how they want to sin, the one thing I want them to be really clear on is whether you choose to sin or not, it's not, it's not going to, I'm not going to have a say in it, right? Right? If you choose to sin, I don't have a say in it. But what I, oh, the only thing I ask of you is that you, you change your words to say, I am not, I'm doing this because, and, and choose, change that to say, I am choosing to sin. Be honest. Be, own it. Be honest with yourself. Because if you don't own it, then you'll always be a victim of your circumstances. You always, you will never, ever leave your situation because you will always be a victim of your circumstances. You see, the first choice we have, we need to make is really important because all subsequent choices we make is contingent on this first choice. And that first choice is who do you serve? You have to know this. You see, a lot of times we get mad at God because God hasn't given us everything we've asked for, or God doesn't make or deliver us from situations, or God doesn't give us the things that we think he's promised us, or God doesn't help us. But the first question is, which God? Because who do you serve? If you don't serve our God Almighty, then which God promised you what you think you got promised? Right? So that first choice, that first question, don't ask the other questions until you answer this question, right? As, as 
as human beings, we have this responsibility. Who do I serve? You know, I have a lot of times we hear, I have a hard time following God because I'm continuously attracted to the things of this world. Who do you serve? I have a hard time reading and obeying the word of God. Who do you serve? I can't maintain healthy relationships. Who do you serve? I can't manage my finances. Who do you serve? I can't serve God and manage the complications of my life. Who do you serve? God is not giving me what I'm asking for. I can't trust him. Who do you serve? It's too hard to make a choice. Who do you serve? It's really easy. It's not God's fault. It is not God's fault. Take responsibility. You know, one of the biggest mistakes you can make as a human being, and this is just a life lesson, right? If you don't take responsibility for every single thing in your life, it's nobody else's fault. No one is going to carry you through this life and make your path open for you. No one. There's no one in this world that can carry you through anything. No parent, no spouse, no child, no one. There is no one in this world who's going to open the way for you but God. If you don't choose the right choice, then understand you're choosing the wrong choice. There's a right or a wrong. There is no in between. So be really clear. If I haven't chosen God, if I don't choose to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the master of my life, then I have chosen to serve the enemy. It's very easy. If you don't choose to honor God, you choose to honor the enemy. Understand your choices. So when I say, I don't want to obey God because, the second thing we need to say is because I choose to obey my flesh which is of this world, which is of the enemy. It's as simple as that. Own it. Be right with it. It'll make your life a whole lot clearer. You will have no more confusion. Then you won't be saying, I'm confused. There's nothing to be confused about. If you don't obey God, there is consequences. But be owning. There's no but in life. There's always an answer. If I'm struggling in my faith, Who do I serve? You see, serving God is very clear. We're reading today from the book of Joshua, and this is the last chapter in Joshua. And so I want to get to kind of how we got to this place. You know, in um, God brought the Israelites out of Egypt with the promise that he would take them into the promised land. And they made the choice to follow him. And then in the desert, the entire generation that left Egypt refused, continued to serve the gods of their fathers and to disobey God, right? God told them to to have no other gods before him, and that's exactly what they did, right? And they didn't get to see the promised land, but because our God is so faithful, their children did, because God took them out of Egypt, promising them the promised land, so their children got to see it. After Moses died... Joshua brought them into the promised land and then reminded them again of all that God had done for them. Then in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, he asked them to choose. 
I say we're going to read Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 for context. <coughs> so, start here. Verse 14, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the, the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable for you in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Joshua is very specific. He said, put away everything you think you know, your culture, your traditions, your belief systems, your history, your background, your past. Put it all away and choose to serve God. Choose to serve God. And then in verse 15, he says, but if you can't do that, if it's disagreeable for you in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose. Make a choice. Make a, Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself into believing that you are serving God when you are not. Don't do that. Make a choice. He said, choose for yourself this day who you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in, the, in whose land you are living. Then Joshua said, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This last part, you see it in everybody's house. We have it right here in our house. That was Joshua's proclamation of the fact that Hear this carefully. This was Joshua's proclamation of the fact that he was going to live his life right and teach his children and teach his family the right way so that they would follow God. This was not Joshua saying, my family has no choice but to follow me. This was Joshua's proclamation of his intent to continue to serve God with all his heart, his soul, and his mind so that his entire family would also serve him. Right. He said, choose. He gave them a choice. He brought them into the promised land. They saw all that they had. He, they saw all that their parents went through. They saw all the promises. When they came into, into the promised land, they, had, they went through two major wars. The first was the wall of Jericho and then the battle in Ai. They saw God's goodness. God protected them and brought them through. And then he still said, choose. You choose. Choose today who you serve. Make a choice. If you don't make a choice, you are fooling yourself. Make a choice. Joshua didn't tell them, hey, look at what God did for you. He did all these wonderful things for you. Make sure you follow him, okay? That's not what he said. He said, choose. Because it's very important that each one of us chooses God. And if we don't choose God, then it's really important that we understand why things are happening the way they're happening. It's not God's fault. I wish I... If I ever got a tattoo, I would put that on my arm. It's not God's fault. I really would. Right? Because it's not God's fault. God has done everything he can to ensure our salvation. Everything. The blood has been shed. The death has happened. The resurrection has happened. His son came down. He did done everything we need. And presented it to us. And all we have to do is make a choice. If you don't choose God, be very clear in what you are choosing. If we don't choose God, be very clear in what we're choosing. And this is something each one of us has to answer in our hearts. Right? It's not a t-shirt that we wear. It's not a song that we sing. 
It's not a, a bumper sticker we put on our car. It's none of that. It's not even our declaration out of our mouth. It is how we live our lives and how we think our thoughts and how we walk our path and how much we trust God. It is the very essence of who you are. If you are not choosing God, it is not who you are. Does that make sense? It is so important. If we don't choose God, we are choosing the enemy. If you don't choose God, you can change the religion on your ID card from Christian to say Satan worshiper. Go ahead. That's, that's what it is. There's no in between. And that's why Joshua said, choose you this day. Who are you going to serve? Because he's like, don't be messing around. You've already seen what God can do. You choose now. And that was the best thing he could have done for them. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about what, you know, a choice, it determines a direction. Right? You know, when Ruth chose to leave her people and follow Naomi, Ruth chapter 1, verse 15, 16, 15, chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, she said, then she said, behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. A choice determines a direction. And we've talked about Ruth before, and I think I talked about it in Bible study too. Ruth's choice was one that was extreme. And Ruth's picture has always been my picture of repentance. This was the life I'm on, but I am choosing a completely different life. And I'm following my mother-in-law. I'm choosing, I'm choosing everything. She says, your people will be my people. Your culture will be my culture. Your color will be my color. Your, your traditions will be my traditions. Who you are will be who I am. That is very hard. That is very hard. She followed a woman who had nothing for her. She had no income. She had no future. She had nothing. She had nothing. She said, I'm following you. I choose to follow you. Your God will be my God. Her choice was extreme. When we, a choice, when we make a choice, it determines a direction. So when, if we look at our lives and our direction is kind of like, like a ping pong, going back and forth, that's not a direction. That's confusion. That's somebody who has not made a choice. And who thinks that instances and circumstances and situations are choices and they're not choices. A choice is when we have made a choice and that means the entire clarity of our life is moving in that direction. Now, when we talk about repentance, we talk about direction. If I'm heading to Everett on 405, I can never get to Renton, right? It's impossible because 405 either goes north to Everett or goes south to Renton. And I can never get to Brandon if I'm going to Everett. When I make a choice, it determines my direction. When we say I choose God, it means I'm changing the direction of my life. If I live the life of anger and unforgiveness and bitterness, I'm choosing a life that's completely different from that. I'm going to choose a life of forgiveness and compassion. I'm going to choose to love the people in my life instead of not. Choice. Choice is very powerful. You know, a lot of times we think that, oh, when I choose God, all these things automatically happen in my heart. No, it's called, it's called the ability to make a choice. God will never take that away from us, right? It's like, God will heal your heart, amen. 
He will heal your heart. He will give you love for people. But you have to choose to love them. You have to choose to build a relationship with them. You have to choose to stay in their lives. Does that make sense? God's not going to do all that for you and just like, oh, I'm going to replace this bad feeling with a good feeling. No, that's not, that's not choice. That's someone who has control over you. God has given us complete choice, and that's why we have to choose. Everything in our lives, we have to choose. I choose to make, you know, look, it's like, I'll give you an example. I can't make it to church on time because I'm tired. Well, there were choices that led up to that, right? If I know I have to be somewhere at a certain time, I will make choices preceding that to make sure I'm there on time. That's choice. So it's never just one isolated choice at a time. It's, it's the, the direction of our life in total. So when I say I can't or I, I, I but I, but whatever, it's not but I or I can't. It's I choose not to. Change the way you speak, not for anybody else, for yourself, and see how it changes your life. I wish I could be there for you, but I don't have time. What I should actually say is I don't want to be there for you because I choose to do something else. That's harder to say. <laughs> That's a lot harder to say, but it's the truth. I wish I could spend more time with God, but I'm too busy with work. And the truth is, I don't really want to spend more time with God. I find more significance in my work or in other things in my life. That's the truth. Mm. That hurts. Yeah, I wish I could spend more time with my kids, but I'm so busy with work. Well, I don't really want to spend more time with my kids because I find my work is more rewarding or other things in my life are more rewarding and I'm too tired to be with my kids. That's the truth. It hurts, but it's true. We have to look at what is important in our life and not be a victim of our circumstances. Because sometimes it's like, legitimately, it's like, no, that's not true. I do want to spend time with my kids. No, legitimately, when we want to do something, we will find the time for it. Mm. It's the truth. We see it. I see it in my life all the time. I'll be like, I don't have time. But then suddenly I notice suddenly I have time for something. And I'm like, oh, how come I have time for this? And I don't have time for this. Well, it's because it's what gives me the most value. Mm. Choose. We have to choose. If we're always going according to what makes us feel good, then we're not making the right choices either. Right. That's why that first choice matters. If I don't make a choice for God, then I'm always my value system is everything else. If I don't make that first choice for God, if I don't prioritize God in my life, then my value system is based on what makes me feel good, mm. not what is good. Mm. These things that make me feel good temporarily, that fulfill all these little holes in my life, it's not going to last. It's not. We know it's not going to last. You know, I um, I got promotion at work last week. It was great. I've been waiting for promotion. I truly thank God for it. But you know what happened in my mind right after that? Right after I got the promotion, the next day I was looking at my manager. I looked at my manager's title. I'm like, oh, how do I get there? Right? We do that all the time. Like, oh my gosh, Jeannie, you're so ungrateful. It's not that I'm not grateful, but that's what I'm saying. We look at, we get something that we're waiting for. And as soon as we get it, we're like, oh, what else is there? What else is there? Because as human beings, this is what we are. 
because nothing on this earth will ever satisfy us. You're like, I want to get this new car. It's so nice. As soon as you get the car and somebody else drives a newer version, you're like, oh, hmm. right? That's our value system. That's who we are. That's why when we chase after these things, these little things, we don't know what is good and we chase after what makes us feel good. It'll never satisfy us. There's never a satisfied. You pursue a relationship. As soon as you get that relationship, what else is out there? Who else is out there? It's the truth. That's who we are. And that's why you got to make the choice. You got to make that first choice first. If you don't choose God, then understand when you choose everything else, that's what happens. A choice also gives us the confidence and the strength to go against the norm. Now, when Elijah was faced with the Israelites and and they were they were confused, like they had 400 priests of Baal. In 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah came near all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. The people didn't answer him because there were 400 Baal priests and one Elijah. They're like uh, confused. They had never made that choice. And so they were just looking at what, looking just with their eyes, what, which priest could do what, what, what God can give them what they need more. They had never made the choice for God. Now, Elijah proceeded after that to prove that our God is a true God and made the 400 Baal priests look like fools. But the reason why the people had nothing to say at that point is because they had never made a choice. You know, we talk so much about seeking God and making sure we have an experience with him, understanding God so deeply in our hearts so that we know without a doubt, there's no doubt in my mind that God is real. If you don't know that till today, it is your responsibility to find out. Fight for it. If you've never fought for anything in your life, fight for this. Don't just stick to one experience. Oh, I had one experience 35 years ago. Or I had one experience 12 years ago. Or I had one experience 10 years ago. No. One experience? Come on. Our God is alive. We experience him every single day in our lives. If you had one experience, that's why we're struggling. Because if your entire choice, your entire choice is based on that one experience a long time ago, guess what? We forget. The Israelites forgot. They had a cloud of fire and a Pillar, pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud that followed them, and they still forgot. They had manna falling from heaven, quail falling from heaven, and they still forgot. They forget. We forget. God can do something. Look at me. I my perfect example. I got a promotion next day, and what else is out there? How do I get to that next level? We forget. This is who we are. It is our choice every day. To wake up and say thank you. It is our choice every day to wake up and, and be grateful for what we have. It is our choice every day to choose God. We need to experience God in our lives every day. It can be reading the word. When we read the word and God speaks something into our life. And you know when God has spoken to you. And you know, oh my gosh, this is this is God. You know, I sat down with my sister Jinhee yesterday. And she was sharing with me. She said, she said, I said something to God in my heart three years ago. Nobody said, I didn't tell anybody. And God blessed her with it this year. And she goes, I know that's God because nobody else knew. The very thing that she just said, oh, this would be so nice to have. And that's exactly what he gave her. And it was a confirmation for what he had for her. 
that is in our lives every day. If we keep talking about an experience that happened years ago, what about what happened to you yesterday? What happened to us today? Are we becoming like the Israelites or we just forget? We ate manna this morning and by afternoon we're like, oh, I'm so hungry. Life is bad. I don't know where the food comes from. Chef needs to go get a degree or something. Right? That's who we are. We forget so fast. We're distracted by every flashy, pretty thing that we see. And we're like, oh, that looks good. This looks good. Who did we choose? See, this is why when we don't make that first choice, if you're not sure of your first choice, if God is not that first choice, then be assured of this. You will be confused for the rest of your life. Because you're going to be, you'll be just like, I don't know if you guys have seen um, my dog. Let me go for a walk, right? He can hold attention for literally 0 0.05 seconds. Like, Cody, look at me, look at you. And then you just can't squirrel, squirrel brain, right? This is exactly what we are. We have to make that choice. When we make that choice for God, then our focus gets centered on him. And I know who I trust in. I know who I believe in. I have the confidence and the strength to go against what is the norm because I know. You know, at school and at work, we're faced with people every single day who go against 100% against what we believe, 100% against what we stand for, and 100% against what we want to walk towards. We are faced with it every day. There are people around us that say words that we shouldn't say, they are, they're, that, that do things that we shouldn't do. We're surrounded by it all the time. It's a fact. There's no way to get out of it. I'm sorry. You know, we're surrounded by that way more than we are surrounded by people who don't do those things. You know, you work eight, 10 hours a day. That's your majority of your day. How do you stay in that environment and not pick up on what they're doing? Not pick up the words they say, not pick up the way they talk, not pick up the complaining, not pick up the, the bad habits and the bad. How do you do that? You got to choose first whom it is you serve. Because if I know who I am, without a doubt, I know that I'm always standing for God. No matter where you put me, I'll be fine. Right? You know, for many, many years, I, I use this as an example. We put Jaden in a Christian school because we didn't want to put him in an environment that he had to fight from the time he was a child. But now he's a grown man. And my prayer is that he will have the strength and the understanding and the ability in him to know that choices that he has made so that anything that comes his way, he'll be able to stand against it. That is what we're all called to do, right? I can't go in this world and be of this world. God is not telling us as Christians to hide at home. Don't be friends with non-Christians. Don't do that. We are called to be the salt and the light of this world. That means we are called to stand in the midst of unbelievers and shine. We are called, when we are called to be with unbelievers, we are supposed to be the light in their lives. We're supposed to be the ones that help them see, hey, the way I'm living is not really right. Because somehow when I'm with Mayana, she makes me feel different. Somehow I feel love. I feel something else. And, and something in me just doesn't feel right. I'm called to be the salt. I'm called to be the ones that the more I say and talk to someone, the more they're attracted to what is it that's different with you? But, what, but when we go in the midst of them and we have not made that choice, then we're swimming in the same direction. And we're, you're going to hell just the rest of them. They're taking you. You know, the reason why the Bible says do not be unequally yoked is for that very reason. It's because you cannot even be the salt and the light in the lives of the other person. So you're going to go the same direction.
And that's in relationships too, in friendships too. Right? Bad company corrupts good morals. If you don't make that choice, if you do not know where you stand, you're like, well, how am I supposed to know? That's really hard. It's the daily choice. It's that daily experience. It's the daily seeking of God. When we don't know God in our lives every day, it becomes very easy. Other people become our gods very easily. Now, the last point I have is when you make a choice, it requires you to trust God. Right? And the biggest, and this is like, this is the biggest um, test, right? Because every single time we go through a trial and our lives get shaken up, it doesn't matter how big the trial is. Could be you have a flat tire, it could be anything, and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't handle it. Can't minister to anybody, can't talk to anybody, can't even handle myself. Who, do, who is it we serve? John chapter 6, verses 41 to 48. Jesus thought he was the only way to God. It was only by abiding in him and accepting that he is the bread of life, partaking in the body and blood that can we come to the Father. So when Jesus taught this, it was against what the Jewish teachings was. It was very foreign to what the Jewish teachings were. Jesus is saying, I am the only way. He was a man. He looked like everybody else. He said, but you have to follow me. You have to come through me to go to God. And all the Jewish leaders were just indignant. Like, who do you think you are? Jesus was the son of God. He was the perfect sacrifice sent by God. He said, you have to come through me. And if you don't come through me, there is no way to God. It was contrary to all their belief. And because of that, Jesus actually lost a lot of disciples. So Jesus looked at his 12 and he said, are you guys going to leave too? Do you believe? You see, we are called to be that contrary in the lives of other people. We are called to live out what is contrary. It's challenging. You're always alone. You're always different. You'll never be like, nobody will ever accept you the same way. And praise God for that. Because if you fit in just right, ask yourself why you do. Why do I fit in? If people are comfortable with me because I am like them, then I am not like God. Amen. If I am like them, I am not like God. If I am like the world, I am not like God. If my excuse is, well, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. The real excuse is, no, I don't want to be uncomfortable. So I choose to be like them. And I don't care if they die. That's the real answer. I don't care if they go to hell. I care more about how I feel. That's the real answer. We are called to be different. We have to be different. As a body, as a church, this message is not just for Logos. This is the message that God has given for the body of Christ. This is what we're called to be as Christians. If we're so caught up in figuring out what we need and my needs, my wants, my promises, my hopes, my expectations, where is God? Matthew 6.33 was written, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. That scripture requires trust. Because until and unless you trust God, you will never be able to follow him. You'll never be able to seek his kingdom. Because you're always looking around. Well, if I follow God now, then what about, what about, what about, what about all this? Who's going to take care of all this? Who's going to take care of my needs? Who do you serve? We serve 
yourself or do you serve God? We have to answer that first question. Who is it you serve? Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. Everything hinged from that answer. If you do not know who it is you serve today, then be assured of this. You will always be confused. You will never understand what God's will is for you because you do not serve him. That first answer is the most important. We have to make that choice in our hearts. We have to choose that every day. Every day we choose to serve God. We may, make mess, we may mess up. We may make mistakes. That's okay. We have, that's what a repentant, having a repentant heart is. I make a mistake. I repent. I come back. I don't do it again. I don't keep going back to it. That's practicing sin. I start practicing righteousness. That means I keep improving myself. I keep making an effort. Right? Somebody's so hard. I've been sinning like this for so long. No, the real answer is I want to be more comfortable. I choose not to make an effort. That's the real answer. It's not so hard. Everything is overcome by effort and choice. God gave us free will. He gave us choice. Change the way we talk. The next time we struggle with something with God, why am I struggling? Is it because I chose? Own it, right? Like I would say man up and woman up. Own it. Why are you struggling? You're struggling because you made a choice. It's as simple as that. I'm struggling because I made a choice. If I, if I make a bad decision in my life, I have consequences to face. I have to own it. It's not somebody else's fault. Somebody else may have been involved, but it's my choice. I chose to do it. I have to own my own decisions. So, well, you know, I was raised like this. It's my parents' fault. Yeah, your parents may have made some bad choices in their life for you, but you are an adult now. Your choice will determine your tomorrow. You know, I was looking up a testimony this morning because I wanted to share. Um, and then God spoke to me. He says, it's not about the testimony of others. It's about the testimony of yourself. Mm. We can share inspirational testimonies all the time of other people who've, who've overcome great sadness and great difficulty. But what about the testimonies in our life? Mm. We need our own testimonies. We need to have our own testimonies every day of how God has helped us overcome things, how good God is. I was out for a run yesterday and I played suicide. I played chicken with a bunny, right? And this bunny was coming right at me and I was going at him and I'm like, okay, and this car is coming. So I'm like, okay, which way are we going to go? So then I saw the bunny freaking out. So I'm like, I stopped him. Okay, chill, bunny. I'm not going to kill you, right? And then he decided death was better than facing me. So he ran into, into the cars and I'm like, oh my gosh, and God spared his life. And I'm like, that sounds like a ridiculous story. But you know, to me, that was a huge testimony of God's goodness in my life because I cannot stand to see animals get killed. I almost cried and the guy who almost hit him was like laughing at me because because I was like so traumatized by watching this silly bunny run across the street. But that's a testimony of God's goodness. To me, that's a testimony of God's goodness. We don't recognize these things, right? Sometimes we get so caught up in our lives that we don't even recognize that when God spares us, when somebody tries to sideswipe us on the street or or how we, we've missed getting sick or or how he's blessed us with just waking up in the morning and looking around and saying, I have my hands, I have my legs. I have air in my in my lungs. I have the ability to walk. I have the ability to eat. I have the ability to talk. I have a job. <laughs> you know, I can pay my bills every month. We have so much to be. We forget. 
And when we have good times, we're happy and things are awesome. When we have bad times, you're like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. Who do we serve? When we don't know who we serve, do you see how our lives are just like all over the place? We are serving an amazing God that leads us through good times and bad times. Making a choice requires us to trust God. If I trust God, it doesn't matter what I go through because I always know there's an end. You see, making a choice for God is not difficult. And the reason why it's not difficult is because our time on this earth is temporal. You will lose nothing. You literally will lose nothing. So I made a reference to Matthew 6.33. It says, should seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. We are afraid to seek after God with all our hearts, our souls, and our minds because we're always looking around us. We will lose nothing because everything we're holding on to is not eternal anyway. We will lose absolutely nothing. You will not, you worry about losing the job, you worry about losing the person, you worry about losing the, the opportunity, you worry about losing the face, right? You worry about losing your reputation. When you die, it doesn't matter. But when you make the choice, that's your eternity. So nothing, there's nothing on this earth that we choose aside from God that holds any weight against what can happen tomorrow. You see, our soul could be required of us at any point in time. Please tell the people around you this thing. Tell them this. Our soul could be required of us at any point in time. The souls of the people around us could be required of them at any point in time. When we choose to disobey God and walk in ourselves and not make a choice for him, you don't just affect yourself. It's not just about you, right? I wish it was just about me, but it's not just about me. The longer I choose to sit in my disobedience and not choose God, the longer it takes for the people around me to also experience the goodness of God that God intended me as part of the body to be to them. Does that make sense? It could be our parents. It could be our siblings. It could be our coworkers. It could be our neighbor. If God has put you in their lives because he wants to use you as a vessel and you're just dilly-dallying and, and you know, twiddling our fingers because I just don't want to make the choice. I need to live for myself. I don't care about anybody else. Then understand this. It's not just your choice. It's the people around you as well. He's called us. We're body. Remember, we started off this conversation with we're a body of Christ and we're a body of Christ. We're the ones that God has called to be the light to the world around us. If we keep putting our light under a basket because we're just not ready to show it because, you know, I got to take care of my stuff. I have too much going on with me. Right. Then what happens to the people around us? At what point in time are they ever going to hear or see the goodness of God? You know, a lot of times we pray for our parents or we pray for our family members who are not saved, but we will not live for them. Why? We're praying, well, God, would you, would you save my parents, save my parents, but I will not live for them. Mm. You, see the, you see the hypocrisy in that? It's like, God, you take care of my parents, but don't ask me to do anything for them. You take care of my family, but don't ask me to do anything for them. When we pray for someone, we're asking for participation. Mm. God, help me be the light in their lives. The truth is, if, you're, if your family members, if your friends, if people you love do not know God, they are going to go to hell for eternity. 
if that does not tug at a string in your heart in some way to make you want to change your life, who is it that you serve? There are people that are going to die around us because we refuse. to. We, just praying for somebody doesn't do anything. God will do something, I agree. But when we pray, we are asking for participation. God has already placed us there. He's already put us in the life of these people whom he loves, who we might hate. But when we, he starts giving us the heart to pray for them, it's because he's asking us to be in their lives. Who in your life do you know who's going to die? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Who doesn't know Christ in my life that I need to be there for them? And this doesn't mean I pick up my Bible and go thumping everybody around me. It's like, no, but I'm the light. I am here. I'm human. You know, I'm right here in person, right? Jesus came down to this earth. He was here. He was human. He touched the lives of many. When he left, he gave us that mantle. That's our role now. We are to be as he is on this earth. Many times you go and tell people, Jesus loves you. On the back of the sign, we're like, well, you're going to hell. You see the, the complication here, right? It's like we pray for people. If we pray for people, then we're asking for God to participate in the ministry that he has for us, for these people. It's difficult. I I stay, I sit here speaking about this from a place where I understand and I'm going through it myself. But we have to make that choice. Who do we serve today? If today you sit here and you say, I'm very clear. I know who I serve. I serve our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord and Savior of my life. He is my master. He's my king. Amen. Praise God. We're okay. If you sit here today and you're not sure who it is you serve, then make that choice. Make that choice today. Make that choice tomorrow. Make that choice the day after and continue to make that choice every day of your life. When you are faced with confusion, ask yourself that question. Who is it that I serve? Do I serve God or do I serve my flesh? We truly serve a faithful God. I'm going to close with this. I actually meant that to say, who do you choose? I don't know why, what do you choose? But Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, it says, I know your deeds that you are neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We are never called to be in between. There is no in between. The reason why God says he will spit us out of, our, out of his mouth because there is no in between. Just like Joshua said, choose you today who you will serve. Choose. Make a choice. If you choose not to serve God, be clear about your choice. Speak your choice. I choose not to serve God. Walk away. Be very clear about your end. But if you choose to serve God, then, then man up and woman up and serve God and walk his way. We can't be in the middle. There's too much in the middle going on right now. Too much gray area, right? As Christians, it's not the responsibility of the pastor or the, or the Bible teacher or the YouTube video pastor. Or, it's not their responsibility. It is my responsibility. When I stand before God, I'm not going to go and say, well, I, I'm doing this because this, this guy told me to do it. No, I am doing this because I know what I'm doing. When I stand before God, I want to be able to tell God, I chose you. 
Or if you stand before God, you need to be able to tell him, I didn't choose you. Mm. Be clear about it. The worst thing we can do for any of our friends and family is to help them believe that they are okay where they are when they haven't made a choice. You have to make a choice. And until you make a choice, you don't know where you are. Choices change lives in everything, right? In everything. You don't like anything in your life, try making a choice. Make a choice every day to be different. You make a choice. Do something. Try it every day. Mm -hmm. Every single day, just do it. If I make a choice for God every single day. Joshua 24, verses 23 to 24, it says, Now therefore put away the foreign gods which are in your midst, and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God, and we will obey his voice. And that was the Israelites coming back to Joshua and saying, this is what we choose to do. And today what we'll say is that put away everything else that you serve aside from God. If your heart is obsessed with something other than God, that is your idol. If your heart is obsessed with yourself and getting what you want, that is your idol. Put away your foreign gods. If your heart is obsessed with your comfort and your happiness and your your satisfaction, that is your idol. You'll never find the kind of happiness you find with God. You know, you may not, I'll tell you this testimony in my life. I may not always be happy, but I always have joy. Mm. Always. I spoke to Pastor Catherine this week and again, you know, I've never heard this woman complain. I don't know how she does it, but never. She never complains. Oh, we're we talking about. Oh, she was sneezing. She had allergies. She's sneezing on the phone. And we all know how allergies are horrible. They make you feel horrible. She's sneezing, sneezing, sneezing. And I'm like, are you okay? She goes, praise God, I'm still alive. <laughs> you know, to me, that's a picture, right? We can, we can obsess with our own joy and our happiness and our comfort. Like, this is so important. I got to take care of me. Well, me is not going in the right direction. If you really want to take care of me, decide who it is we serve. Amen. Right. Okay, I'm going to open it up for questions or comments. And as always, when we open it up for questions or comments, this is not just for the pastors, it's for everyone. So if anyone wants to say anything or if you have something on your heart or a question, please, please speak up. That came to my mind as a saying that changed the way you say. Since this message is from God, that it's basically God saying, choose me or choose the mm-hmm. enemy. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jeannie, thank you, Lord, for this message, for answered prayer. It was powerful. Thank him. I thank him for his message. I thank him for his anointing on you. I thank you. I thank him that the message was clear. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I just have four little comments. I think four and I just want to go backwards, you know, because every time you say something powerful, you know, Edmund was there present going, "Mm, mm." well, I was muted, so I wouldn't go. Amen. Mm." You know, because it was really powerful. It spoke. So, you know, going back, well, I don't know, whatever, I'm going. 
this is a powerful message on shoes. But wanted to add, because as I was listening to you and I was talking to the Lord and I was listening to him, you know what? To choose, you make a choice. Your actions will show what choice you made. Your actions will show what choice you made. Now you can say, well, I haven't chose yet. I, how are you living? And you made that point and I just wanted to, you know, just make it clear. You know, just as you, you know, you talked about your actions. You know, I don't ask somebody, I just observe them. You know, you can, cause people all day long say how much they love the Lord and how much he means, but just watch them. Their actions will always dictate their choices and their decisions. The other thing, you know, pastor, is that we don't just make, and I know that, you know, I'm talking, I'm, 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 I'm talking to the choir. We don't just make one decision. One decision or one choice leads to another choice. You know, Pastor, you you know, you know, mentioned that if you wanted to go to Renton, go on, north on 4-5, you will never get to Renton because Renton is south on 4-5, you're going north. But if you keep going north on 4-5, you're going to run into I-5. Now, if you run into I-5, you now have another decision. Do you keep going north or do you or do you go south? If you go south on I-5, south on I-5 is going to eventually lead you to south on 405. So you have a choice. You have a choice. And you can't say, Garmin, mess me up. <laughs> you have a choice. The other one that was so beautiful and you painted the, the picture of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And I, I, I love that testimony myself. And you said something that just was, is what the Lord showed me is why it's one of my favorite, favorite, and all of them my favorite, so. But it was one of my, all of the favorites. You pointed out that Naomi had nothing. She had no wealth. She had no sons. She had nothing. When Ruth said, I will follow you and your God will be my God and your people will be my people. But pastor, you know the one thing that Naomi did have? She had her God. Huh? She had her God. She had her heart. Naomi had Ruth's heart. It was love that caused that young woman to follow that older woman. It was love. Which is the kind of love we are required and called to have for our Lord. If he never gave you what you wanted. Would Amen. you love him? Would you love him? You know, one of my favorite movies, there's a powerful scene in there. Where, you know, uh, facing the giants. Of course, she wants children so bad. And she keeps going and she's not pregnant. 
And her, you know, and her husband asked her, if God never gave us children, would you still love him? And when she came out the last time, and she was devastated as always, and she got to her vehicle and she looked up and said, I will still love you. I will still love you, though she was not. She had just got news that the desire of her heart was once again denied. But she said, I will still love you. She was like Ruth. He had her heart. And she's pulling away with her decision to love the Lord no matter what. When the nurse comes running out, we made a mistake. There's a baby in your body. Abraham had to make that same choice. Will he love God and serve him or will he hang on to Isaac? And the Lord never wanted Isaac's death. He just wanted who, you know, who do you love more? And then just final, uh, Pastor, will you turn to Matthew 6, 19 through 21 and read Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where our, tre where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. Do you treasure God? And if you don't treasure him, you will always choose yourself. You will always choose your lust. You know, I have, to, you know, people tell me, oh, you know, Pastor Catherine, whatever. I really, really, you know, really, 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 really love you. Really, really, really wanted to get to the study. Really, really, really. And as you mentioned, they list all these reasons why they didn't get there. Do you really miss what you really love? If it's your strong desire, do you, when you have an opportunity, do you pass it by? Mm -hmm. Then you don't really, really love it. And just one final thing, and I'm done. Pastor, you talked about, you know, you know, the light from the campfire and the warmth from the campfire. And pastors, I was listening to you. I'm like, amen, 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 because that's what we talked about. But those who get light and warmth can also get some goodies. Because, see, you can barbecue some hot dogs in that campfire. Put it on a stick, put it in that campfire. You can do some, uh, what is that, s'mores in that campfire. Put you a marshmallow on that stick. And then warm up the chocolate. And it'll be so nice and gooey with the chocolate and the graham cracker. See, that fire also feeds. That fire also feeds. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And for those who are weak in this group, Pastor's message about being friend with, friends with the ungodly was not for you. 
See, she also said, and you need to get a hold of that, 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good morals. Also Psalms 1, 1, and I'm not just talking about the week, I'm talking about everybody. everybody. See, it's one thing to work and have business. It's another thing to hang out. If enemies of God are comfortable with you, as Pastor pointed out, you've got a problem. You can't be a friend of God and be a friend with his enemies. You can't do both. In fact, this one final, and Pastor, I'm going, would you read James 4.4? 4? You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Amen, and I'm gone. Anybody else? Hey, Pastor. Um, just wanted to uh, give God praise and glory. That was a powerful message. Um, we went over uh, a study last night as a family, and um, a, a lot of what we talked about was um, what the Lord gave you in the message today. So just uh, wanted to let you know it was Bless, we're blessed, and it was a powerful message from our Lord. So thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, I also want to give God the praise. Uh, on Friday, men's Bible study, we were uh, on the subject of repentance. And real quick about repentance was, uh, we recognize that there's such a thing called false repentance. And then there's real repentance. And both require choice. But one choice, though, with false repentance is the choice to just change the mind. But the real repentance is the real choice to change the heart. And so I think this, is, this message is really powerful because I encourage everyone, if you will, learn to do your own Bible study by going back to Joshua 24 and from verse 14 all the way to 28, do your personal devotion, do your own Bible study. Because we recognize that in John 24, especially verse 19, it says, then Joshua said to the people, you will not be able to serve the Lord. You will not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. And the choice to serve a holy God requires, in verse 14, where it says, put away. We have to also make that choice to include, put away. And then it repeats it again in verse 23. Now, therefore, put away, put away. And that putting away directly ties, the things that need to be put away, directly ties to our heart. And of course, the Bible says where the treasure is, you know, uh, let me not misquote. Where your heart is, there you'll find that treasure that's in that heart. And that's why true repentance requires a change of heart, not a change of mind. A change of mind is just 
okay, fine, it's not working, so I'm going to try something else. But for now, I'm just going to pretend because I was found guilty or whatever that is. And the last point is, it relates to who God is. Mark chapter 10, verse 18. It was a story about a young rich ruler. And he said to Jesus, uh, and, and, and when he was with Jesus, he called Jesus good teacher. But verse 18, Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And this scripture came to mind because earlier in the sermon, Pastor Jean was talking about if we know what is good. If we know what is good. And only God is good. So when we don't know what is good, we don't know God. When we don't know God, we don't know what is good. Hence, everything sinful is good enough. Everything sinful is good enough. And this is unfortunate. It plagues the Christian, the body of Christ, who haven't really changed their hearts. So I just want to encourage everyone, take time to really get in the Word of God. Joshua 24 is really powerful. I remember when I was in college, that's what the pastor did to have a study for ourselves. And today we're studying again. So that never gets old, amen? So thank you. Anyone else? I have a verse that um, someone kind of relate, but everyone brought up correctly. So Matthew 5, 33 to 37, says, again, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, or shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no, anything beyond these mm -hmm. is up to you. Amen. Thank you so much. What did you get from that? What did you get from that? Uh, just kind of, you know, if we're making a choice where mm -hmm. we say something, we don't want to be like that or that or worse to be. So what do you want to make our commitments to God real? Yeah. yeah. Amen. That's a good, that's a actually, um, it's a very, blessed take on that because a lot of times we do make empty promises to God, right? And it's real quick, right? Just like we say to people, you know, um, one of my pet peeves is people can't keep their word. I, 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 it's a huge pet peeve for me. It's like when somebody says they're going to do something and they don't do it, I don't like that. How much more God, <laughs> right? Because <clears throat> what God hears our prayers and he hears our words, everything we say. Right. And, you know, when we are going through a hard time and we make promises to God, it's like, if I go through this and I promise you I won't do this again. And then as soon as you're better, you go do something else. That's that's making a vow that is false to God. Yeah, that's good. It's dangerous. Yeah. 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 It a lot of our character. One thing to do it with people is something else to do with God. <clears throat> but it's a true definition of our character. 
and that you don't show them uh, yeah. to bear to do. Yeah. I think parents know this one the most. I mean, I think for me, that's very important, keeping your word. And with Jaden growing up, because my parents would always say things and then wouldn't necessarily happen and really affected me growing up. And with Jaden, one thing I've always tried to do, even when he was younger, he'd ask me to do something. And then at the end of the day, I'm usually tired. And but I'd make sure I do what I said I would do. And if I don't, I better have a really good excuse to ask his permission to not do it because I don't ever I didn't ever want him to grow up thinking that the word meant nothing. You know, lots of we make commitments so easily. So, oh, I'll be there for you. And then, you know, sorry, I'm too busy today. We change how we say that. It's not that I'm too busy. I'm choosing not to be there for you because I'm more, I'm more important than you are. Yes, change the way we answer. Uh, Pastor Jimmy, can you read one more scripture? Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. I'm reading an NLT. Is that okay? I like this this one. Absolutely. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are on here on earth, so let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words makes you a fool. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through, for God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. It's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin and don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry and he might wipe out everything you have achieved. Talk is cheap like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. I love this. Girl, uh -uh, uh -uh, uh -uh. that will that's his chapter five. Well, all the word. If you just read the word, it'll keep you out of trouble. And just <laughs> one, one other one, very quick along that same line. Um, first John chapter three. First John chapter three, verses seventeen and eighteen. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. And Rob, that is like, you know, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. You know, it's not what you say, it's what you do. And that's in every area of your life, not just seeing someone in need, but how you live how you walk, you can talk, profess all day long that you're a Christian. Can someone see it when you don't even open your mouth? Talk is cheap, walk your talk. Amen. Does anyone else have anything? Thank you for sharing, Brian, that's good. All right, we're going to close. Um, we're going to close in prayer. But before we close, I want to ask a question. If you do not know whom it is you serve today, make a choice. Make a choice today, make a choice tomorrow, and continue to make a choice. Don't fool yourself into believing that you're okay where you are. This is really important. And this is, 
It's our responsibility as believers to say this to everyone around us as well. If you love someone, if you truly say you love those around you, be bold enough to say this to them. If you don't know where you stand with God today, you need to make a choice and continue to make that choice. I promise you, and my promise means nothing, but my promise comes from the word, that when we walk with God, not only will he take care of us, not only will he protect us, but our eternity is assured in him. I choose God every day in my life. I make mistakes all the time, I, but I choose God. It doesn't mean I don't struggle. It doesn't mean I don't suffer. It doesn't mean I'm not sad. It doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that my life is perfect. But I choose God every day because I know one thing for sure is that our lives on this earth are short and my eternity needs to be ensured. And the second thing is, I know that if I live on this earth for myself, I'm going to be held accountable for the blood of those people who are on my hands because I did not do what God asked me to do. Make that choice. So as we pray today, whether you want to resolve in your heart right now or you want to take time and think about this later, my only ask is you don't forget to think about it. I can send out the message notes today if anybody wants them, uh, but please think about it and pray on it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, because, Father, you are truly faithful. Lord, your word is always yes and amen. And every time, Father, you bring your word, you bring it to us and you give it to us, Lord, so that we will understand and we will grow and we will flourish in you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word today, Lord Jesus, reminds us that we have to make a choice. And it has to be with that first choice. And that first choice is whether we choose you or we don't choose you. And Lord, I pray, Father, for each and every one in this room on this call and anyone who listens to this recording, Lord Jesus, after this, Lord Jesus, that each one, Father, will make a choice and they will make a choice for you. Lord, I ask, Lord, that as we make a choice for you today, tomorrow, and every day, every moment of our life, Lord, that, Father, that we will be able to rely on you for the strength, for the hope to carry it through, and, Father, for the promises of what you have. That, Father, that our choice will not be dependent on what we will get from you, or what you will give us, or what you will have for us, but that our choice will be just like, like Ruth and Naomi, Lord Jesus, that we will choose you no matter what. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are graceful and merciful to us every day. And I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that each one, Lord, that is struggling right now, Father, that you will speak into each heart, that each heart will be able to be assured in their salvation, if you have been walking in this world and you have been participating and partaking of the things in this world and you think even for a second that you are okay, I ask, Lord, that, that our Holy Spirit will begin to speak truth into your heart, that deception will no longer be upon your life, but that our Almighty God will speak directly to you and into your heart. Father, we love you. We give each heart and each mind into your hands. In Jesus' almighty name we pray. Amen. Um, so this week, we do have Tuesday Bible study. Now we're in Genesis. I remember last week, Genesis 21. Thank you. So um, hope that 